All right. Well, good morning, Victory Point. My name's Matt. You guys can have a seat. Hey, before we uh, dive in this morning, just a little bit of follow-up from last Sunday. Last Sunday was Father's Day, and I gave you the gift of some very good dad jokes. And I'm just curious, especially like to you children who are here this morning, uh, were they helpful? Were they helpful in your social interactions over this last week? Did you use any of my jokes at any of your family gatherings this week? Anybody? Finally, one, one person, yes. Like, like, remember some of these jokes I shared? Like, what do you call a fish with two knees? Toonie fish. Toonie fish, right? Come on, that's really, really good. Hey, the other thing I just, uh, you know, Pam was inviting us in worship this morning to present our hearts to God. And I just want to acknowledge this morning that my heart is extra full this morning. Because as I worship this morning, I look beside me and there's my daughter, JC. She's, she's back in Michigan with us from her experiences. And uh, that, that a father's heart gets really happy when his children are with him. And I think, imagine what the father's heart feels right now as his children gather. But uh, we've asked JC, uh, coming up on July 14, I believe it is, um, she's going to do some family time sharing on that morning and share a little bit about her experiences over the last nine months. So I hope you can make it and join us on July 14 for that. Um, but this morning we continue a series that we began, that we launched last Sunday called Kairos. Kairos, how is God getting our attention? And I shared with you, a lot of you know this already, but that word Kairos, it's a Greek word for the word time. Time and, and it's different than chronological time. Kairos is a very specific kind of time. It's actually a moment in time. It's a moment in time uh, when, when God is breaking through. When, when, when the kingdom of God is breaking through into our lives in a very specific way. When, when God is getting our attention about something in a very specific way. We call that a Kairos moment. And uh, so in this series, what we're doing is uh, we're just asking whoever's up front uh, on a Sunday to just share out of the overflow of any kairoses that God has been, you know, getting their attention on and speaking to them. And here's what's getting my attention right now. Here's something that very recently, you know, is speaking to me, is getting to my, getting my attention. And it's this, enough rain already, okay? Enough of the rain, like, like what we experienced yesterday Let's just keep repeating that over and over and over because yesterday was such a beautiful day. We've had so much rain this spring and an unusual amount of rain this spring. I'm reading how you know, boat launches are closed down and there's no beaches. I was out at Tunnel Park like a month ago and there was no beach. There was no beach to play on. The water level is so high. It's been a record-setting spring Rain-wise, I mean, I've been seeing these pictures. Maybe you see them on the news. Uh, this is Waldo Stadium. Now, some of you may be asking, where's Waldo? <laughs> I worked on that really hard this week, the delivery. Like, how can I do that? Like, some of you may be asking, where's Waldo? Where's Waldo Stadium? That's the football stadium, right, at Western Michigan University. Uh, this is what it looked like a few days ago because of the flooding that they're experiencing in the Kalamazoo area. I saw this picture recently. Um, this is a picture of a farm in, I think it's Iowa, at the end of March, and how the, the green has kind of you know, erupted from these silos, and there's so much flooding everywhere. And then even more recently, you know, in Frankenmuth, this is a, a farmer who posted this picture of his farm uh, just a, a few weeks ago in Frankenmuth. I mean, 
it, it, we're having record-setting flooding in rain. I, I read a stat that as of June 12, so that's only just a couple, like a week ago, as of June 12 in Michigan, only 63% of the planned seed corn has been planted so far. I mean, I don't even think they've planted around us yet whatever's going to be planted. It's been so wet, and, and we've had so much rain. Now, some of you have experienced these types of natural disasters. I mean, that's kind of what we call them, natural disasters. Some of you have experienced such things or lived through such things. Maybe some of you have experienced some flooding, you know, at your place or on your farm, you know, recently. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you have been in places when hurricanes have been going on. Or maybe you have a home in Florida that maybe has been affected or potentially affected by hurricanes when they arise. Or, or maybe some people in this room have experienced a, a tornado or a high windstorm or, or hail um, or wildfires. I, I know that some of you have experienced such natural disasters. I, I know our mission partners around the world have experienced such things. You know, Pastor Ephraim, you know, as they went through um, the hurricane that hit Haiti, you know, years ago. Or, you know, Tom and Kristen Bersma in the Philippines and in, in tropical storms and, and things like that. Like, a lot of us have experienced natural disasters or we know people who've experienced natural disasters. But all of us have experienced or will experience some form of life disaster, you know, in our lives. I, I actually, on the radio this morning, as I was driving in, I was listening to WJQ and um, the, the person speaking said, you know, it's been said that everyone is either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or about to go into a crisis. I'm not sure how exactly true that is, but we, we can relate to that. We, we all experience life disasters. It might take the form of the loss of a job unexpectedly. It might take the form of challenge and trouble in a marriage. It might take the form of a heartache of divorce. It might be a financial crisis that you experience. The unexpected death of a loved one. Um, intense spiritual attack of some variety, you know, either on yourself or on someone very close to you. A chronic illness that just is getting worse. You know, someone, you know, spreading gossip or lies about you. I mean, we, we could just, the list could go on and on. We, we know what it means to experience life disasters. And sometimes these unexpected experiences, they, they shake our lives. They almost have the feel, you know, they, they can even shake our, our, our faith. And sometimes have the feel of like a, a spiritual earthquake or, or, or some sort of spiritual upheaval going on in our life. Or at the very least, some, some spiritual erosion going on. So here's the question. Here's the question I want us to revolve around this morning. What's the difference between those who seem to weather life storms and even seem to come out stronger versus those who find themselves struggling and unable to kind of stand up under life storms that even get stuck even. I want to pay attention to that and maybe answer that question this morning. So with that in mind, I'd invite you to pray with me as we launch out. Lord, thank you for this gathering. I mean, I just love getting together with this family. And I thank you for this family. And I thank you for those who've been a part of the Victory Point family since the beginning and those who are very new to, to this family. Family's family. And we're just... Grateful to gather because we know, like, like I just talked about, storms happen. Life happens out there, and it's hard, and it feels like upheaval sometimes. And we need a place where we can come and get recentered 
and be reminded of what's true, true of you, true of us, so that we can stand on that and build on that and take that with us back out into whatever life has for us. So Lord, thank you for this. I, I do want to, um, I mentioned it, I want to pray for farmers right now, Lord. I, I know there's farmers even in this community and in Michigan and around this country uh, who are experiencing great challenge right now because of the rains. Lord, I pray for a reprieve. I pray for a stretch of dryness. I pray for the opportunity to get the crops in. And I pray the crops that have been planted or will be planted will more than make up for the, the lack of planting. May, may they be bountiful and, and, and may they be good crops. Um, Lord, we, we pray that because you say to pray about everything. So we're praying about that this morning because it's on our mind. And so Lord, we just invite you to speak to us that, that we would not only hear your word, um, but we would stand on it and live out of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, in the Gospel of Matthew, I'm sure most of us are familiar with a story that Jesus tells, a parable, right, that he tells about two builders. Two builders, one who builds his house on the sand and one who builds his house on the rock. We even sing songs and children sing songs about such things. One who builds his house on the sand, one who builds his house on the rock. One who weathers the storm and the other one who doesn't. So I just have a quiz for us this morning. I have a pop quiz for us this morning. He always makes me think of that movie Speed, right? Like pop quiz, hot shot. So I, here's my pop quiz this morning, everybody. In the parable, as you, as you recall that parable, comparing those who build their house on the rock with those who build their house on the sand, what does Jesus say is the difference between the two? What is the difference between the two? Take a minute, turn to people next to you, and share what you think the answer is. Okay, go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves. What is the answer? And just a hint, I should have gave you this hint before you just shared your answer with your neighbor because this might embarrass some of you. The answer's not Jesus, okay? I mean, this isn't, this isn't Sunday school. Like, you remember that story of the Sunday school teacher that is talking to the little kid? I've shared this before just because I share funny stories. But he's talking to the kid like, you know, what, what, what is brown and furry and has a bushy tail and likes to eat acorns and nuts? And remember the kid says, well, sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus, you know, because Jesus is always the Sunday school answer. Jesus isn't the answer to this one, okay? So what is the answer? What is the difference between the person who built their house on the rock and the person who built their house on the sand? Well, let me, let, let's read it. Let's see if we can find that answer. So I'm going to read, and uh, Ethan's going to advance the slides if you want to follow along on the screen. This is found in Matthew 7, right at the tail end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is how Jesus puts a big bow tie, if you will, on all of these instructions and teachings he just gave the disciples and those who were listening. Verse 24, chapter 7, Gospel of Matthew. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine 
and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as one of their teachers of the law. So what's the difference between the one who built his house on the rock and the one who built his house on the sand? Or I would say simply, put it into practice. How about that? He he took what God said and put it into practice. That's the difference. The difference between the wise man and the foolish man, the difference between the one who built his house on the rock and built his house on the sand is it's the one who takes Jesus' words and puts them into practice. Puts them into practice. One put them into practice. The other one did not. Who got the answer right? Bob. Not surprised by that. Bob gets all the answers right. There you go. Yeah, I mean, isn't it funny? Like, we've heard this parable, most of us, many of us, so many times, yet, like, why do we not remember that's the difference maker? The difference maker is obedience. The difference maker is taking Jesus' words and putting them into practice. That's the only difference in the story. Everything else is the same. It's not that one heard Jesus' words and the other did not hear Jesus' words. It says they both heard Jesus' words. They actually both also experienced storms. I mean, storms are universal. Storms are, are common, you know, among everybody. We all experience storms. So is, so is the ability to hear God's word. That, that, that's a common thing available to all of us. We all have the capability and the capacity to hear from God. The difference maker Jesus points out in this parable is the one who takes Jesus' words or God's words and actually puts them into practice. So here's the question I think we all have to wrestle with. Here's the question I think we need to be honest with. Here's the question I think we all need to answer. Am I just a hearer? Am I just one who hears and listens and reads to the word of God? Or am I a doer? Not a durr, like the Durr family over here. Am I a doer? Am I a doer of the word of God? Do I take God's word and actually put it into practice? What foundation am I building my life on? What foundation am I building my family on? What foundation am I building my marriage on? The answer gets revealed when the rains come. Now last summer, uh, a lot of you know this, I had the, the great privilege uh, to spend 16 days in the Holy Land with RVL, with Ray Vanderlaan, and uh, just experience all that there is to experience in, in, in making this word come to life with actual visuals. And uh, this is a picture um, from last summer uh, on one of our hikes. I think we were, I, I, didn't, I tried to look in my notes, I think we were in the Negev Desert, and, and this is a wadi. This is called a wadi. I think this was called the Wadi Zin, perhaps, but don't quote me on that. But, but this is a wadi. A wadi is an Arabic word that describes, sort of generally speaking, um, you know, a, a valley or a ravine or sort of a, a dry riverbed. Um, and during the rainy season, what happens in these, ki- these types of places, when the rainy season comes, this wadi can sometimes get filled with rushing 
raging water. And that, that water can be really dangerous. Like, like during the flood season, um, what happens is, as water starts raging and running down, you know, this dry riverbed or this little valley, um, it, it brings limestone along. And then as the waters recede and the limestone can sometimes turn to sand and you get lots of sandy spots mixed in with the rocks down there. Um, th- this is probably what Jesus' hearers were picturing when Jesus shared this parable, when he told this story. Us in the West, if you're like me, I always assumed, well, the picture I have is there's this beautiful sandy beach and then there's like a better spot to build up here. But, but this is what, what Jesus' listeners of his day were, were picturing and imagining when, when Jesus shared you know, this parable. And he, and he concluded the Sermon on the Mount with these words. This is what they're, they're picturing so, so where do you not want to build a house? You don't want to build a house on this low spot, in this sandy spot, in, in this dry riverbed. Everyone understood that. Don't build a house right there because when the rains come, the flood is just going to come rushing down and it's going to destroy anything you build there. They understood that would be foolish. That would be so foolish to build a house right there. You want to go up on the bank. You want to go up on the rock. You want to build your house on a solid, firm foundation. Now, we have this value here at Victory Point. Um, We just did a, in January, remember, we did a series on on our values. Um, But one of our values, if you remember, is Scripture and Spirit. Here's what we believe with all of our heart. That God has spoken to us through His Word. This is a primary way that God has given us revelation. God is speaking to us through his word, but yet he also continues to speak to us through his Holy Spirit that lives in us. Therefore, as we follow Jesus, we will regularly ask these two questions. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? What's God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? Those should not be unfamiliar questions to most of you here at Victor Point. That, I, I'm, I'm guessing and trusting that that's becoming part of the, the cultural fabric of, of this community of believers. What is God saying and what are you going to do about it? We're, we're talking about God's revelation and our response to God's revelation. Because we know that God speaks in a variety of ways. God speaks to us, of course, of course, through, through the, the, the written word, the inspired written word. God speaks to us through the Bible. God speaks to us during times of prayer with, with, with promptings and pictures. And, and God speaks to us through our circumstances. God speaks to me through all of you, just like I hope God speaks to you through me. God speaks to us through other people. God speaks to us you know, through creation, God speaks to us through promptings and emotions and dreams and visions and prophetic words. Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is hearing from God and responding to what God is saying. Responding. We we respond in worship. We respond by changing how we see ourselves. We respond by how, you know, by changing how we see others. We respond to the word of God, to God's revelation by changing our thinking and moving into action. When it comes to hearing and obeying, because that's what we're talking about, when it comes to hearing and obeying, a couple things. Over time, we want to increase the percentage of times that we respond to God's revelation. When we receive revelation, and we re- when we receive God's revelation and actually do something about it. 
actually act on it, actually respond, actually follow through. We also want to lessen the duration between God speaking and us responding. We want to grow in learning to respond more quickly. And here's the deal. When we increase our frequency of responding to God's revelation, and when we decrease the duration between hearing from God and actually stepping out and responding in action, that's a sign of growth. That's a sign of spiritual growth, both individually and as a body of Christ. When we increase the frequency of response and decrease the duration of how long it takes us to respond, that's a sign of spiritual growth. And I just want to say this morning, um, you know, as the, the, the team leader, like I'm very proud of this congregation. I'm very proud of how I see this family of, of Jesus followers, like gr- increasing their frequency of response and decreasing the duration of how long it takes to respond to the Lord's revelation. I'm really proud of that. I see this value of Scripture and Spirit becoming more and more a part of the fabric of the DNA of this church. I I see the frequency of responding to God's revelation increasing, and I see the duration it takes us to respond decreasing. And that, to me, is spiritual growth. I'll give you some examples. Just go back with me to last week for those those of you who were here. Up on this spot right here, we had Lon and Nancy Klosterman share a story, share about their journey um, over the last years. And and they shared about how they came to Victory Point years ago and at first were just the people that like, man, I'm just going to sit in the back and as soon as we dismiss, I'm out of here. That's okay. That's how sometimes we we enter into things. We just check it out. Um, But then they talked about how one time someone was up front sharing about missional communities, and they felt God prompting them. They felt God stirring them in some way. So they, they, they received revelation from God, and they responded to it with obedience by saying, we're going we're gonna to step into a missional community. And so they stepped into the Great Lakes missional community and were active um, participants you know, and contributors to that missional community for a while, for a season. But then just began to, again... God began to stir in them. God began to stir in Doug and Pam Dryard. God began to stir in some of the members of that missional community. Like, we, we like this lifestyle of family on mission, but we think our, our mission might be evolving and in, in changing towards something else. So, so they took steps. God was prompting them, you know, as, as two couples. And, and they began to pray and discern and invite other people into it. And, and pretty soon, we have the seedlings and the core team of a new missional community that is, is finding its way right now. You know? And what does it mean to, to be a family on mission around the Gateway Center of the Holland Rescue Mission? And it's just a really cool story of revelation and response, of hearing and obeying. And uh, it was just inspiring just to see, to, to hear them last Sunday just kind of flesh that out for us. And, and I know that, like, that that's happening in other people's lives that sit here. You know, maybe even you're like them. You're in a missional community, but, but God's stirring you towards, a, a, you know, a new mission. You know, what would it look like to do what they did and to invite some others into a discerning journey and in, in stepping out in faith and obedience on that? Um, this is past week. Uh, on, on Monday night, um, Brendan and I were able to have this really powerful, cool, real, honest conversation 
uh, with somebody who, who's a part of the Victory Point family, who, who's just dealing with some real tough, heartache, you know, people in their family who are going through like illnesses and disease and um, it's not going well and, and feel like you've been crying out to God forever and ever and ever and nothing's happening. And um, it was this really cool, kind of powerful, honest moment where we were just able to just identify like, like here's things God has said. Here's promises and, and here's truth that, that God has said for every and all situation. So what would it look like to respond in obedience and faith and to stand on those and to, to hold God accountable to what he says and, and to believe it and to stand on it and, and to, to pray into it and to, to be encouraged by God's promises, you know, to, to receive and be reminded of revelation from God and then to, to stand on it and to activate it and to put it into practice, to put the truths and promises into practice. You know, I'm thinking of another story. Of uh, this was just a couple weeks ago, or maybe like a month ago, just um, you know, talking with somebody who goes here, uh, who, who lives this way of of hearing and obeying. And uh, th- this person had a crazy dream, a crazy dream that was just so vivid. Of, of it felt like God was was bringing to his attention somebody that might need some financial help, and it was very specific, and it had a specific name and so forth. And it was a specific. And significant amount of money. Like, most of us are like, oh, that was a crazy dream. This person, like, well, I think God might be speaking to me. So I'm going to go to the bank and get the money and carry it around so that when this encounter happens, I'm ready to act on it. I'm ready to obey. You know, I know a lot of you like, tell me the name so I can, like, man, you know, maneuver a little bit. You know, but no. But isn't that such an act of obedience? Like, God says this, so I respond like this. I actually put it into practice in obedience, in whatever God wants to do, you know, next is up to him. But I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm obeying. And I could tell all kinds of stories, but I'm, that, that just makes my heart happy, you know, as, as the, the team leader here, that, that these are becoming the, the normal stories. These are becoming the normal for us. We believe God speaks, and our job is to not just listen, but to put into practice what he's speaking to obey, to obey. So just keep it up, you guys. Keep it up. When God gets your attention, a kairos moment, when, when God is getting your attention in some way, shape, or form, lean into that. Pause, pay attention, stop, listen. Like, like God, what are you trying to say to me? Discern what God is saying through observation and reflection and, and maybe even discussion with other believers. Like try to discern, like I think this is what God's saying to me. And then make a plan to act on that. Make a plan, ask people to hold you accountable. But then actually act on it. And, and that, is, that is how we grow our faith. When we do that, when, when we hear and obey, when we respond to God's revelation, you're adding another brick to your house being built on the rock. You're just adding another brick, brick by brick. You're building a house on the rock, not on the sand. There's another story that Jesus shares. Um, if you flip ahead in Matthew to Matthew 21. So Matthew 21, beginning in verse 28. It'll be on the screen as well. Jesus tells a parable about two sons. Remember last week, we looked at a parable about two sons. The parable of the lost sons. 
um, you know, the, the, the prodigal son, or maybe it's more the prodigal God, the prodigal father. But look, Jesus used a story of two sons to teach us something. He does that again in Matthew 21, or Matthew 21, beginning in verse 28. So Jesus says this, it's called the parable of the two sons. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. That's how he started the story last week, too. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of these two did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you um, the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors... And the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Which son did what the father wanted? God would much rather, I mean, catch this. Isn't this like fascinating? God would much rather have you say no and then do it as opposed to saying, yes, yes, Lord, thanks for revealing that to me. Thanks for that revelation. Thanks, Father, for speaking to me and then not doing it. God prefers no, then do it, over yes and not doing it. God expects, desires obedience. You know, it reminds me of the, I think I've shared it before, because, again, I like to share funny stories, but... um. Reminds me of the story, right, of, of the, the three frogs sitting on a lily pad. You know this story? There's three frogs sitting on a lily pad. One of them decides to jump off. How many are left on the lily pad? I've heard three. I've heard zero. Answers three. Deciding to jump off does not change anything, Right? One decided to jump off the lily pad. I didn't say he did jump off. He decided to jump off. I mean, even deciding to do something doesn't change anything until you actually act on it, until you actually step out and do it. Spiritual growth is all about revelation and response. It's about hearing God and doing what he says. So, so maybe you, here's what it could look like for you. Maybe you read something in God's word about forgiving others and you become convicted about someone that you haven't forgiven. If that's all you do, you've received revelation but you haven't responded. But if you decide like, you know what, I'm going to extend forgiveness. I'm going to choose to forgive this person. Maybe even whether or not you you need to let them know that, you know, in person or not, you, you choose to let go and to forgive. That's obedience. Maybe you're prompted to give a coworker some encouragement and you actually do it. You, you respond to that prompting. That's obedience. Maybe you, you take seriously a dream like in the story I mentioned and you, you act on it. Maybe you're, you're out in creation in this meadow and you're, you're moved you know, by, by what you see around you and you just burst out in worship and in praise. That, that's, that's the kind of response God's looking for. Maybe you have a neighbor that you've been building a relationship with and that, that, that neighbor doesn't know Jesus 
And, and you're, you step into the opportunity as it comes up naturally to tell them about Jesus and to invite them into a relationship. That, that's actually like following through on the, the revelation and the prompting of God. Maybe you realize like you're, you're worrying and anxious about something and, and God's inviting you to let him have it and not be anxious and to worry. And so you take him up on it and you step into that. that that's obedience. It's so simple, you guys, but it's not easy. But it's so simple. The difference between the one who builds his or her house on the rock and the one who builds his or her house on the sand isn't who hears the Lord. It's not the, it's, the difference maker isn't the one who knows the Bible better. The difference isn't um, you know, the one who recognizes when God's speaking better or has better doctrinal understanding or, or seems to you know, have more dreams and, and prophecies. Everyone, can, everyone has access to this Father. All of us have access to this Father. We can hear Him speaking. We can know His voice. Jesus is pointing to the one thing, the one simple but not easy thing that ultimately determines whether you're building your house on the rock or building your house on the sand. And the simple thing is obedience. It's obedience. Came across this quote by Eugene Peterson. He wrote this book called Eat This Book. A conversation in the art of spiritual reading. Talking about how do we engage the scriptures? How do we engage the Bible? And he said this, obedience is a thing. Living in active response to the living God. The most important question we ask of this text is not, what does this mean? But what can I obey? What can I obey? A simple act of obedience will open up our lives to this text, to this book, to this word far more quickly than any number of Bible studies and dictionaries and concordances. There's one other passage I want us to go to. It's in James. James says this, and you you maybe heard these words, but, but just hear them afresh this morning. Hear what James has to say about this. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I think what James is saying there, especially when he uses that phrase when he says like, man, don't deceive yourselves. Don't deceive yourselves. I think the deception he's talking about is this, and I think it's what the enemy loves us to think, that because... We're, we're reading the word because we're hearing the word on a Sunday morning, because we're receiving revelation in some way, shape, or form, that because we're receiving revelation that we must be growing, that, that because we're growing in our understanding of who God is as we study him and the things of God, that, that we are spiritually growing. I think the deception is this, I'm growing because I'm learning, I'm growing because I'm learning. Nothing against learning. Learning's a good thing. We should seek to learn. 
But I think what James is warning us against, the kind of deceitful thinking that he's warning us against, is not to equate you know, spiritual growth with simply learning. If the growing in revelation and knowledge and understanding isn't translating in some way, shape, or form into life change, he says we're sort of deceiving ourselves. That would be like looking in a mirror and admiring what you see and then walking away and immediately forgetting about what you just looked at. So think about it. On Sundays, you know, our, our practice, our, our rhythm is we gather up on Sundays, 10 o'clock. Sunday morning, we, we gather in this space. We read scriptures. We sing songs of worship. We hear stories and testimony of God at work. We, we, we hear a message. We receive all this revelation. If we're not putting it into practice, we're building our house on the sand. And when the storms come, we're going to crash. But if that if we receive this revelation, we receive God speaking to us and we do something about it, we put it into practice in our lives, we're building our house on the rock. So many times, right? Well, let me back that up. Sometimes I have people come up to me and say like, good message. It's not like all the time, you know. But sometimes, every now and then, like, you know, a couple times a year, people come up and say like, hey, that was a really good message. And think about it, I don't even know if we know what we're saying. Like, we're, it's so Christianese. Like, you know, oh, that was a good message. Or I listened to this great podcast this week. Or I listened to this great sermon. Or watched this great video online. Or I had this, this Bible study I had this week. It was so good. It was so good. That, that's such a Christianese thing. I, I don't even know if we understand what we're saying. That was so good. What I want to start saying back is, thank you. Praise God. Like, tell me. Like, what's one way God spoke to you this morning, and what's one thing you're going to do about it? That's what I think, you know, like, the, ex- the exchange should be. Now you're probably going to be hesitant to, to say anything. But just know, if you tell me, like, good message, I want to know, like, how that's changing your life now. I mean, and, and you should do the same to me. You should keep me accountable to, to that. That's what I think we need to do. We need to, we need to be a, a family, a church that completes the circle. We don't stop short of just hearing from God. We do what he says. We find a way to put it into practice. We find a way to, to act on it and to stand on it. To be doers, not just hearers. So I want to invite the band up. We're going to close with one more song. But uh, as we prepared it to sing one more song, I just want to invite us into a time of reflection this morning. I want to remind us of this value that we have here at Victory Point because this has been the kairos for me lately. What does it look like to be a church that takes seriously, to be a people that takes seriously these two questions? What is God saying to me? Because he's always speaking. It's not a matter of him not speaking. It's am I listening? What is God speaking to me? And what am I going to do about it? I'm not just going to celebrate that God's speaking to me. I, I want to do something about it. What am I going to do about it? Every time you engage the scriptures, which hopefully isn't just on Sunday morning, every time you engage the scriptures, what would it look like to just simply conclude that time of, of reading or devotions or whatever with those two questions? Like, what's, God, what's one thing God is saying to me right now? 
And what's one thing I'm going to do in response to what God is saying to me right now? How's God getting my attention? How's he speaking to me? What's he, what's he trying to say to me? And what am I going to do about it? So let me, why don't you stand? I want to pray for us. Lord, I just want to pray on behalf of the community gathered here. And maybe this is more a prayer for me than it is for them. But I just want to be honest and confess to you, Lord. There are so many times when I know you're saying things to me and I don't do anything about it. I mean, I celebrate the fact that my father's speaking to me. But what my father really wants me to do is like to go out and work in the vineyard, like, like in the parable we read, to actually do something about it, to actually put it into practice what he's speaking. And I confess, Lord, that um, so many times in my life I, I'm, I ignore that part. So many times you put people on my mind or in my heart, people who are maybe struggling or could use a, a word or a friend, and I have great intentions of acting on it, and then weeks go by and I haven't acted on it. So Lord, I, I just confess on behalf of all of us that, yeah, there's been many times you've spoken and we've, we've heard you, but we didn't put it into practice. And we're sorry. We don't want to be like that. We want to increase the frequency of our obedience. And we want to decrease the time it takes us to obey. Lord, may that be who we are. And, and we, don't, we don't obey, Father, because we're trying to earn anything. I mean, that's settled. Jesus settled that once and for all through his life, death, and resurrection. We, we don't obey um, in order to earn our identity with you or to earn our status with you. We've already received that in Christ. We obey out of that, not for that. We obey out of our God-given purchased identity, not in order to, to earn it. So we do it with freedom. We do it, you know, with joy. Like, our Father's good, and He has good things for us, and He has good things He's inviting us into. So why wouldn't we obey? Why wouldn't we step in and step on and step up into what you're calling us to? Lord, we desire to be a people that build this church, that build our lives on the rock. So may we be a people that take your word and put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's sing.